Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Well, what's going on, Hope Community Church? We doing all right? We doing good? Good, 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 good. Well, let me start by just saying uh, one more time, hopefully you've heard it a a bunch this weekend, but uh, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day weekend. Hopefully it's been like a whole weekend of Father's Day celebrations. Can we just hear it for our dads one more time? Can we hear it for our dads? Our protectors, our providers. Some of you are like, Ryan, it's 2021. Women could be providers too. Get with it, man. And I agree. But just let me say it, providers, okay? Uh, And just to celebrate our dads here this weekend, if you look under your seat, dads, there's a $100 bill right there. Tape, just look really quick. No, I'm from Canton. I don't know anything. They just asked me to come. I don't know what's going on. No, that's a lie. Uh, no, just seriously, so grateful for our dads. Um, and it's, it's my dad who's one of my biggest heroes. I can honestly say that. And I think it's godly men who, are, uh, who play such an integral role in shaping and forming future generations. So thanks, dads, for being that. And let me really quick just introduce myself. My name is Ryan. I come from Canton, Ohio, the ninth most miserable city in America according to Forbes.com. And uh, man, so it's really nice to come down here. You guys have, Raleigh's nice. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's nice, okay? Uh, and, uh, and so it's been really cool to kind of hang out. I brought my kids with me. Uh, and so we've been all over the place just kind of having a good time. And, and right now they're backstage hanging out with the band. That's another thing about y'all in the South. You're nice. Not only is Raleigh nice, but you're nice. Like there's a good chance my son is starting a small fire in that room somewhere. And there's like a sweet little Southern lady just like, oh, that's so You're doing so good with that. So you're just handing him matches. That's what I'm assuming is happening right now. Uh, you guys are just, you're nice. And I, I, I did want to say this really quick because I know a lot of your uh, staff. I've met them at different conferences that we've done together uh, or some of them I've known forever. Aaron Pelsu, uh, your worship leader uh, or one of your worship leaders. I've known him for a couple decades. I mean, you just have, you have really, really, you're just a really blessed church. You have really amazing leaders, amazing ministry staff. And from what I know, yeah. And, and from what I know of, of just you guys and the heart that Hope Community has for this community, uh, man, it's just, I know your best days are in front of you. And so I'm so excited for that. So let me, uh, let me pray and we're going to get going. God, we just invite you into this time. We thank you. Uh, for how you are working in, in hope. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be gathered here right now to dig into your word, be encouraged by it. And so God, we just pray that you, would, uh, that you would grow us and shape us more and more into the likeness of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, open up with me. We're going to be in John chapter 6 here uh, today. But here's sort of just let me kind of set you up a little bit, or I guess make sure we're all on the same page, because I know there are some people that maybe you're tuning in for the first time, or maybe you're here for the first time, uh, and, and you're just like, what are we getting into? What is, where, where has the church been? Well, here's a series you guys have been working through. A series called Identity Crisis, right? And the idea behind this is where do you place your identity? And there are all sorts of things that we're taught or we're fed or we're sort of, th that are thrown at us and we can start to believe this stuff and it can mess with us. It can mess with our minds. But here's what I started thinking about. And I think a lot was exposed during the pandemic, right? Like it used to be two years ago, let's say two years ago, if I went up to, uh, if I went up to you and I said, um, hey, who are you? Here's how you would interpret that, right? Who are you? What's your identity? Here's how you would interpret that or how you would answer that. You'd say, oh, he's asking, what do I do? Right? And so it's like, oh, I'm an engineer, or I'm a forklift driver, or I'm a, uh, you know, I, I run a boutique, or whatever, right? It's, it's what I do. But that's not your identity. And what we saw in 2020, everything shut down, people lost some jobs, it wasn't so great. All of a sudden, you're not an engineer anymore. You're sitting at home trying to find a new thing. And you start to ask, like, oh man, who am I? Right? Or maybe it's, maybe you're like a, a student athlete. Okay, and, you're, and you're, you're just so good at it. You're like this amazing basketball player, or a volleyball player, or maybe like a trumpet player or whatever. And then, uh, student musician. And then, and then something happens, right? And if I were to ask you, who are you? You'd say, I'm a baseball player. I'm a basketball player. I'm a trumpet player. And then something happens. You blow out your knee, your hip, whatever. And all of a sudden, you can't do that thing anymore. You, something happens to your lip and you can't do it anymore, right? <laughs> And I've seen this. People go into like these identity crises. I don't know who I am if I'm not that thing. And that's why we have to go a little deeper. That's why we've got to figure this stuff out. That's why we've got to figure out, okay, where is my identity? Who am I really? So like I said, today we're going to be in John 6. And we're just going to read the first 15 verses here. So just stick with me. Try to follow along. And hopefully it'll make sense. So here we go. It says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already knew, already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, uh, Jesus, it would take more than uh, half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have just one bite. And I don't know all of a sudden where Philip gets off thinking he's like some sort of math wizard running the numbers there. But nonetheless, uh, Andrew jumps in, right? And it says another of the disciples... Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, and he goes, uh, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far do you think this, this will go among so many? Which, at that point, if you're Simon Peter, you're just like, Andrew, shut up, dude, right? <laughs> like, it's 5,000 people. You, what are you, anyways. So Jesus says, hey, just have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those to those who were seated as much as they wanted. 
He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who's come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So there's a lot going on here, right? But uh, maybe, maybe the best place to start is, is with this. This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000, and it's not to be mistaken with the story of the feeding of the 4,000, which is a different miracle. We don't talk about that one as much, but it happened too. Uh, and so this is probably, it's safe to say, the most popular miracle Jesus ever performed. Now, you might push back. You might say, well, what about that whole water and the wine thing? Remember that time Jesus like walked on water or calmed storms? We talked about that last time I was here. Or, you know, remember that time he raised someone from the dead? But here's why I say this. Because this, the feeding of the 5,000, is the only miracle that's found in all four Gospels. So there's something about this story that each Gospel writer said that, that has to go in there. That has to be a part. That has to play a role in the word, right? And so that seems significant. Uh, there are many scholars who point this out as well. They say this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, this miracle is the anchor miracle of the book of John. The anchor. Right? And so there's, there's something to this. But I thought just for us to kind of all be on the same page, to make sure that we're, we didn't miss anything, I thought we could just re, kind of retell it, kind of paraphrase version. Right? And the story starts like, like this. Jesus is out healing people. And he's got his followers with him, his disciples. He's just sort of healing people. Now, I don't know if Jesus, in, in the midst of that, just uh, got tired and it was time to go. I don't know if he had like a, a thing he had to get to. It doesn't seem like it. Uh, or if he just ran out of people to heal, right? If he's just like doing his thing and then he's like, hey, cool. Oh, you feel good? You're, you can see? All right, you're, you, can, you can hear? You're good? You can hear me? How's your back? You good? I, is that it? We good? And everyone's good. And so Jesus is like, all right, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for having us. And Jesus and his disciples head out to just have some time by themselves. But as they're doing this, the crowd just follows. And of course they do, right? They just saw a guy heal a bunch of people. And so they follow Jesus. And it says a crowd of about 5,000 men. That's a large crowd of people. Now, why is the crowd so large? It also tells us this. This is the, the time of the Jewish Passover festival. Now, Jesus, when he's performing this miracle, it's not in Jerusalem, which is where everybody is sort of going. Uh, to, they, that's where they want to celebrate the Jewish Passover festival. But it's presumed that there are a lot of Galilean Jews making their way down to Jerusalem. And they just so happen to bump into Jesus along the way. And they're like, oh, this is the guy. This is what everyone's talking about. And so they're all excited. And so, they, and so they, they just sit and they're like, they're ready. Jesus, what else are you going to show us? Jesus, what are you, you going to teach us? What do you got? What's next, Jesus? 
so this is where, again, the disciples kind of come in. They're like, hey, Jesus, you've been doing all this stuff. Just let, let's send them off, right? Other gospel accounts say some of the disciples are like, let's just send them off to lunch. They can go get lunch somewhere else. There's a Chipotle down the road. They can hit up that Taco Bell, whatever, right? Let's, they could just go. Only Mexican places. I only reference Mexican places in my sermons, okay? And, uh, and so let's just go. And Jesus, he's like, no, 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 no. No, I want them to stay. And here's why I think that is, because I, I, I really believe this. I believe Jesus knew if he, could, if he could fulfill their physical need in that moment, it gave him greater opportunity to speak into whatever spiritual need they had as well. And so Jesus goes a different route, right? Jesus says, nope, we're not sending anyone away. Um, we're not doing that. Let's just stay here. Let's stay gathered. And they take this, this kid's lunch, five loaves of bread, two fish. That's a big lunch for one kid. No one ever talks about that, right? <laughs> no one ever, I, that just hit me. I'm like, what's he doing with five loaves of bread? Five? Greedy? And so, that, so now the kid... He offers it, though, so maybe it's not so greedy, right? And Jesus multiplies it and feeds all these people. How beautiful. Feeds all these people. So much so that it says there's 12, 12 baskets left over. Everyone had enough, and there's all these. And it's just this. And so here's, here's where we're going to camp out today. It's just this simple phrase, this simple idea, this simple notion that Jesus is a provider. He's a provider. Actually, scratch that. Let me go one step further. When I read a story like this one, it reminds me, he's not just a provider. Jesus is the provider. And here's why. Because Jesus has this amazing ability, this amazing ability to create everything from nothing. Have you noticed, like he has this amazing, like it's just a couple, just a little bit of bread and fish and Jesus says, yeah, I'm gonna take that and we're gonna do this. So let me stop for just a second before we go any further. And actually, um, I don't think I've ever done this before. Where I've just kind of, in the middle of a message, just stopped. And done like an altar call type moment. And we're, we're, we're not going to do that necessarily. But I want to talk to those of you in the room that maybe right now you're in a season where if you're honest, and we're not always. But if you were honest, you would say, you know, I kind of feel tapped out. I kind of feel a little bit tired, a little bit exhausted. And honestly, uh, Ryan, I, I in some ways, I feel like God is really, 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 really far away. And I don't know what to do with that. 
I'm kind of struggling in some different things. I'm trying to figure some stuff out, and I just feel like I, like it, it's just, it just seems too overwhelming. It seems too, like, too consuming. And Ryan, I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. I'm tapped out. I don't know what to do. And this is the moment where I just want to remind you that God is not just a provider. He's the provider. And see, here's what we do is we say, and this is, this is the sort of cheesy, like, church camp uh, preacher line, right? Like, like, you're trying to fill that God-shaped hole with all these other things. Like, that's what we say, right? But that is what we do. And so some of us are really, really exhausted. We're really, really drained. We're, 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 sort of, we're just trying to figure this stuff out. We, we've got the kids out of school now. We're trying to figure out how to do that. And, and we got all this pressure at work. And we're trying to figure out how to, how to maneuver through a new, another reality with COVID or whatever, if we even still want to talk about it anymore, right? And it's just like all this stuff that we're trying to, and we're just tired. Some of us are just exhausted in our relationships and our marriage. We have a kid we haven't talked to in 10 years, a grandkid we haven't talked two and five, and we're just exhausted. And so we are doing everything we can to try to fill this void, to try to make sense out of things. Except Jesus. And I don't say that in a condemning way. I say that in a me too way, because I've been there. So this is my sort of subtle reminder to you that he's the provider. That he provides hope when you feel hopeless. That he provides answers when you feel like there are no answers. That he provides peace when the kids won't shut up. Because the provider has that amazing ability to take nothing and like make it everything. That's just one of the things he does. And here's why that's really different than you and I. Now let me change, let's shift a little bit. Let's turn the corner. You ready? Here's why it's different than you and I. If we're empty, we have nothing to give. Any dads on Father's Day weekend? Can I get an amen on that? Any moms on Father's Day weekend? Can I get an amen on that? If we're empty, we have nothing to give. And so what I want to do for the rest of this message is I want to talk about how I believe, if we're honest with ourselves, how we can start to, to fill ourselves back up because it matters. And who does it matter for? It matters for your coworkers. It matters for your neighbor. It matters for your friends. But much more than that, it matters for your spouse. It matters for your kids. You can't bless them if you're just running on empty all the time. You can't be to them, provide for them what you want to, if you have nothing to provide. Why? Because you're not Jesus.
So here it is. I'm going to tell you guys a secret, okay? Here it is. This is, this is the prayer that I would challenge you to pray. If you're in a place where you're saying, I feel kind of empty right now. I want to provide for my family, my friends. I want to provide for my kids some, some better parts of me. I want to, but I don't know what to do because I feel tapped out. I feel exhausted. I feel overwhelmed. I want to provide this. What do I do? Here it is. It's a prayer. You guys ready? You ready? Ready? Here it is. Two words. Search me. Three words if you had God in front of it or Lord. Lord, search me. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is kind of a scary prayer to pray, okay? You might even say it's kind of a hard, it could lead to some hard things. Um, and here's why. Because I believe if you were to pray this prayer, God has this propensity to say, all right, You've evaluated yourself. You're working on you. Now let's go do some stuff. God has this propensity to call us into hard things when we pray prayers like this one. Now here, again, the primary reason that we don't pray prayers like this one, dangerous prayers, is because it means we might have to go do some hard stuff. And I don't know about you, but I don't really like doing hard stuff. <laughs> I just tiled the sunroom in my house and I tried so hard not to cuss guys. I tried so hard, okay? <laughs> it was hard work. It's hard, right? And, and there are reasons that we don't do hard stuff because number one, we think it might be exhausting. Number two, it seems scary. Sometimes just because we don't know how to do it, right? That was the primary reason I waited six months to do the work. So I was like, I've never done it before. So we just don't pray these sort of scary things. We just sort of, we, we go and we pray these prayers like, God, thanks for this food. God, thanks for this, this wonderful day. My kids at bedtime every night when school year, they would pray, uh, just pray that we have a good day at school tomorrow, right? We pray these easy prayers. And sometimes I think God is like, man, pray a, pray a prayer that I could do something big with. But we're scared to do it. And so here it is. It's this prayer. Search me. Search me, God. Do something in my heart because I want, to be, I want to be a provider emotionally. I want to be a provider mentally. I want to be a provider physically. I want to be a provider spiritually more than anything else for my kids. I want to be a provider. So God, I need you to do this thing in my life. And it might be kind of hard. I'm kind of scared. But Jesus wants to do this work. See, I honestly believe this. The primary reason that we don't pray dangerous prayers is because they might prompt us to do hard things, but I also believe this too. The greatest rewards in my life I would have missed if I wasn't willing to do hard things to receive them. And so why is search me such a hard prayer? Well, let's read the text that it comes from. This is Psalm 139. You ready? Here's what it says. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is written by this guy named David. 
So King David, if you're a church, you grew up in church, you know David was like the, the man, right? David was the guy, a man after God's own heart. David was a guy who just loved the Lord, the king of Israel, the great King David. But he wasn't perfect. He did some shady stuff, right? Had an affair, killed the, the husband, covered up, and all sorts of stuff, right? Not great, so he wasn't a perfect guy, but he loved the Lord. And so David, as he writes here in Psalm 139, he does this really interesting thing. He writes these words like, God, just search me. Search me. If there's anxiety in me, I need to know about it. God, if there's some sort of sin in me that needs to be exposed, I need, to, I need you to show me. God, if there's like, I need you to just lead me. If there's a thing that you want me to do that I'm not doing, I need you to do it. And so he just says, search me. Search inside my soul. Search in my gut. Search in my heart. Search me, God. Why does this matter? What does this have to do with God being a provider? Because if we're empty, we have nothing to give. And if we're trying to figure out how we can fill ourselves back up, I think we have to start with a question like this. Here's a really interesting thing. <laughs> Here's what David writes in the four verses just before that really beautiful passage we just read. He says this, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O Lord. It's almost like when you read those verses just before the nice ones, when you read those verses, it's almost like, like here's what David's saying. He's like, there are some people that I don't like. There are some people that they are, they are jacked up. They've got issues. They don't love the Lord. They misuse his name. I abhor them. I hate them. These aren't his friends. And here's, here's what David seems to be doing. I don't know if you've ever do, done this. He's, he's doing this thing where he says, like, they're the problem, they're the issue, they've got things all jacked up in their heads, and if they could just figure it out, things would be a lot better. Now, again, you ever done that? Yeah, you have. Like, ladies, um, it's, let's say it's, you know, it's a Friday night, and you're like, going to go out with your girls. You're going dancing, right? Some of you are like, no, we're, we're church folk. So you're, you're at like, you're, you're going to meet up at a Bible study at the coffee shop. <laughs> but you're going you're gonna to listen to Bieber on the way there or whatever. But like, as so you're sitting there drinking your, your coffee and, um, and your friend says, hey, how, how are things going with you and your husband? Because they know there have been some issues. And, and you say, oh, you know, things would be better if he would just stop leaving his shoes by the front door every time. Things would be so much better if he would stop leaving his dirty clothes just sitting on the floor next to the hamper. You can't put it in the hamper. He's got to put it next to the hamper. Then I got to go and pick it up. Uh, things would be a lot better if he would just, you know, spend more time with the kids. Right? Or, or guys right on the golf course. 
I know we're macho, right? We're, we don't talk about emotions and stuff. But let's just, just say for a second you do, and your buddy says, hey, how are things going? I know you guys are kind of struggling for a minute, you and your wife. And, and you say, oh, man, things would be better if she wasn't always nagging me. Things would be a whole lot better if, uh, if you know, uh, she wouldn't stop, uh, if she would just start yelling at me about where I put my shoes or, uh, you know, silly things about putting clothes on the floor. Things would be a lot better if we had a little more husband-wife time every now and then. You know what I mean? Wink, wink, right? And this is what we, this is what we, we do is we project this thing like they're the problem. Now, I'm not saying if you're in a season in your marriage where there's some struggle, and I'm not saying it's not annoying that your husband won't put his clothes in the hamper. I'm sure that is very, very annoying, okay? But it's easy for us to do this thing where they're the problem, they're the problem, they're the problem. And then we stop there. Here's what David does in this passage. David says, man, there are these people, the enemies of God. I cannot stand them. I abhor them. I hate them. I despise them. They are wicked. God, I hope you slay them. God, have you gotten around to slaying them? Can we please, God, get around to slaying them? I hate them. I want them gone, right? But then David goes somewhere that you and I don't go, typically. David, knowing that he's, he's, he's saying, Here, here's their problems, David then shifts for just a second and he does this. But God, just in case I'm missing something about my enemy, just in case I'm missing something about this person that I have some problems with, just in case I'm missing something, God, will you do this for me? Um, God, could you just search me and know my heart? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, God. Because it's easy for me to look at them and say they're the problem. It's easy for me to look at them and say they're the enemy. But God, would you do something in me and lead me, God, in the way everlasting? Essentially, here's what David is saying. David's saying there's a whole lot of stuff that I could change about them. But, God, will you just show me what I need to change? God, would you open my eyes where I need my eyes open? And this is a hard thing to prayer. See what I'm saying about it? Hard prayers. We, we like to pray the easy prayer. God bless this food. This is a hard prayer to pray. But if you're sitting here today and you're saying, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, I feel, I, I don't know what to do. My, my cup is empty all the time and I don't know how to fill it. I would say, you have to pray this prayer. God, search me, help me to know where am I, where's the void? Because it's probably easy for you to say, the reason I feel so empty is because of my husband. The reason I feel so drained is because of my wife. The reason I feel so overwhelmed is because of my kids. The reason I'm so angry all the time is because of my boss. The reason, the reason, the reason, and I I think what we have to do is say, God wants to provide peace for you, but you have to search you. Essentially, here's why it's so hard. It's a hard prayer because it will, it will require you to acknowledge that you have some work to do. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? On you. but maybe you do. So here's, here's how I want to start to wrap up a little bit. Is I, I just want to, I want to explore this passage with David 
just a little bit more. There are three things that he prays here. Because again, I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm looking at a room full of people that I know want to provide. I know wanna, they, they want to provide love for their kids. I know you want to provide joy. I know you want to provide spiritual depth. I know you want to provide happiness for your spouse. I know you want to provide. Here's some of the things that I, I think we need to be honest about. Here's what David does. David, the first thing, he asks God to reveal his anxiety. He says it this way, he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Some of us are just stuck because our fears and our anxieties just trap us. They just hold us in place. God's saying, I want you to go do this thing. I want you to experience this. I want you to go on this adventure. I want you to take this risk. I want you to be, and you're like, God, I, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm good here. And we're not willing to take any chances for God. We're not willing to be bold for God. We're not, we're just, let me just live in my own little comfort zone. Some of us are in relationships right now. Some of you ladies, you have met the man of your dreams. He is everything that you want and you're too jacked up from the last thing to move forward in this thing because of your anxieties. He loves Jesus. He's got a good job. He's doing, he's, he's like good with kids. He's got this cool little dimple on his chin that you're really attracted to for some, that's your thing, right? But you're just like, you're anxious. You're just kind of, and, and you got it, and you're not moving forward because you're scared. And Jesus is like, I, I, get, I, I, may, I can't win with you right? She's like, I can't do it. <laughs> Maybe ask yourself this question. Maybe this is the prayer you got to pray. God, am I allowing crippling fear to shortchange my calling, my purpose, or my blessing? Here's the second thing we see with David in this, this text in Psalm 139. David asked God to reveal his sin. He said it this way, he said, see if there's any offensive way in me. Some of us can't grow. We can't grow, we can't move forward, we can't find peace because I'm just gonna say it, there is some sort of sin in your life that is holding you in place. And here's the interesting thing about sin is there are some sins that are just blatant, they're obvious, right? Gossip, lust. They're just out there. Everyone does it. It's all there. Then there's some of these sins that just sneak up on you, like pride. And maybe God has this calling, this blessing, this purpose for you. You're supposed to do this thing, and it's, it's this amazing thing, but God's like, I'm not giving them that if they haven't dealt with this pride. Because I've seen where this goes. So maybe this is the prayer that you need to pray. God, is there a sin I need to put to death that is stifling my calling, my purpose, or my blessing? 
Is there a sin I need to put to death? Here's the, the third thing we see with David that he prays specifically. He says this. Uh, David asked God to lead him. He said it this way. He said, and lead me in the way everlasting. Again, some of us, we just can't relinquish control. And I get it because I'm the same way. I think it's human nature. We want control. We want to be, like when you got baptized, you were like, let me leave my arm out because I'll give God this part, but let me have about 20%. We cool, Jesus? Like, let me have some say in how things turn out. And what Jesus wants, he's like, no, I want the whole thing. See, I think when we're honest with ourselves, I think one of the reasons that we, we struggle in accepting that, that Jesus is a provider for us, but even more, struggle with allowing ourselves to be the overflow. And I think one of the reasons we're so tapped out, we're so exhausted, we're so empty all the time, we feel that way, is because, honestly, we're scared. There's some sort of sin that we just haven't dealt with. Or this last one, we just don't want to give up control. I've said this before in, in sermons, but I, whenever someone asks me, they say, Ryan, what should, I, what should I do like if the Holy Spirit is prompting me to something? That's really scary, right? Like I, I've been praying, I've been praying, like God search me and I feel like he's prompting me to something. I feel like he's calling me to something, right? And people will be like, like this is like this really big theological question. Like what do I do? I don't, do I go, do I, like God, I feel like God's calling me. And this is my answer. Are you guys ready for this? This is like deep theological stuff. Are you ready? If the spirit of God is calling you to something and you're honestly willing to give him control and you're willing to say, and you feel like the spirit is calling you, here's the answer. Here it is. I'm gonna, this is big, okay? I went to Bible college, okay? Here it is. Say yes! <laughs> That's like the only answer. If God's calling you, go. But again, we want control. Let me grip a little tighter. Here's the prayer that I think David is, is sort of setting up for us. It's this, God, is there a place or a calling in my life that I'm missing because I'm scared to follow you entirely? If you're tapped out, I get it. If you're tired, I get it. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God is a provider. And he's the only one in a world where you're gonna get a thousand different things thrown at you on how you can be fulfilled. He's the only one in that work. But in the same way, when there's that overflow, that, 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 that provision that he's pouring into you, now it's our jobs as dads on Father's Day weekend. It's our jobs as moms. It's our jobs as grandparents. It's our jobs as aunts and uncles, whatever your role is, to be an overflow into the next generation. And we can't be that if we have nothing to pour out. So let me, I, I just want to close with this. Um, I'm just going to like sit here. I asked if it was, oh, I just sniffled on, that's gross, I'm sorry. I don't have COVID, I, I don't have COVID, I'm good. Allergies. Um, so if, if you were to ask me, Ryan, 
how do you want to die? <laughs> you know, this is like a second coffee conversation between us. <laughs> this, would be, this would be the picture I would, I would paint. This is how I want to go out. I'm 90, 92 years old. Lived a pretty good life. And I'm laying there on my, uh, my bed in my bedroom at my home. And um, sitting there on the edge of the bed is my, uh, is my wife, which I'm, I, I'm, I'm not married, so I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm projecting. I'm like, hey, cool, right? So it, maybe that'll happen. Um, she's maybe 89. She's a couple, few years younger than me, but she's like really, really, really hot for like an 89-year-old, okay? <laughs> exceptionally, an exceptionally sexy 89-year-old. <laughs> um, and she's holding my hand, kind of squeezing my hand. And she's saying, uh, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay. And I know it is, because I know where I'm going. You know, I've got like all the stuff hooked up on me and the, the ventilator or whatever, and the oxygen. And, but there in the room, I, I look around the room. And there are my, uh, my three kids, Story, Journey, and Asher. I almost forgot my son's name for a second. Um, it's Asher. And I mean, at that, they, they're in their, what, 70s, I guess, at that point. And, and, but they're standing in the room with their spouses who love Jesus. And then also standing in the room are their kids with their spouses love Jesus. And I was trying to do the math. I'm not quite sure how it worked out, but maybe there's like a, then like a great grandkid or, or grandkids in the room, right? And, and it, they're, you know, my descendants, so they're a little ADD, right? And so one is like in the room, like plugging and unplugging and plugging the <laughs> ventilator. And I'm like, just give me another minute, right? Even, even, he would, even he loves Jesus. And I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I, I like coming here and speaking at Hope. But it doesn't really matter how many things I get asked to speak at. It doesn't really matter how many magazine articles I how big my church gets. For me, I just want to look back in that moment as I know I'm about to cross over to spend eternity with my Lord. I want to look back and say, I left a legacy of Jesus that was handed down from generation to generation generation. 
And I know at least for me, I've been a little scattered here today, but I know at least for me, I can't pour into them if I'm empty. I can't be the dad I want to be, build the memories, go to the beach, play Barbies, throw the ball. I can't be the dad that I want to be if I'm tapped out. And man, I just want to leave that legacy. So here's how we're going to end this is uh, I'm just going to walk off the stage. But we're going to have a a moment. And this is the moment. Um, We're often in a service, okay, the preacher's done, we're going to click off now. I'm going to ask you not to do that. Or we're just going to throw some questions at you to reflect on. Questions centered around that idea of God as our provider. Let's take a moment to do that. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.